0: It gives me great pleasure now to introduce to you Helen McLaren. Helen is from the Department of Education, Science and Training. She's the Acting Branch Manager of Technology and Information Services Branch, uh, Industry Skills Development Group. Um, DESTS, um, and Helen's going to talk to us about DES per- perspectives on the directions of VET and e-learning. So would you please, in- uh, please welcome Helen. Thanks. Thank you very much. Um, I think this old technology microphone is going to crap my style a little bit because I'm a bit of a, a, a gesticulator. So if the microphone suddenly goes over here, you'll, uh, you'll know to try and bring me back. I'm, uh, like Peter, very thrilled to be here today um, to open this uh, showcase of inspiring and innovative, innovative projects. Um, it's particularly thrilling for me because until I moved to DEST about... Oh, in April of this year, um, and became involved in the framework. Prior to that, I'd been working in the broadband area of the Department of Communications, IT and the Arts. So for three years, I'd been involved in trying to get improved connectivity, uh, particularly for education and health sectors. So I was trying to get the broadband connectivity to allow the kinds of things that are happening... Um, in, the, in the Flexible Learning Framework and in your projects. And it's fantastic to be involved in the other side, to be involved in the innovative and exciting projects that are happening. Um, it's fair to say that this has been a very challenging year to be involved in vocational education. As you'd be aware, there was the abolition of ANTA and all those functions have moved into DEST. And there have been a number of changes in terms of the national direction. Um, Those changes are basically designed to try to help the system to be more flexible, which of course is something that is dear to the hearts of all of the people who are here. Um, And basically they're building on the foundations of um, an excellent um, national industry-led training system that was already in place. Um, the vocational education uh, and training system has made already a very good a very significant contribution to our economy and progressively people are realizing that a career in a vocational and education uh, sorry a vocational qualification can lead to can also lead to a challenging and diverse and independent and very lucrative career in many cases but australia like many other countries has some new economic challenges. For example, we've got an ageing workforce. Um, and for the, last, um, for the last, I guess, decade, increasingly um, students and their parents have been seeing their future um their future career is being driven by a university education. So I think about 70% of Australian school students and their parents aspire to a university course, but only 30% of students actually attend university courses and only 22% of the jobs require a university qualification. So there's a bit of a mismatch there in, in people's uh, expectations. And... Um, and... Basically, one of the things that the government wants to do is promote the the benefits of a vocational education and training um, course and career. Um, Basically, in the light of some of these challenges, the government introduced a number of changes that I'm sure that you're all aware aware of. There was new legislation that put in place arrangements to... uh, to head towards a high-quality, flexible, industry-led, responsive system. One of the messages that the government has been hearing, particularly from industry over the past few years, has been that um, the training system isn't responsive to their needs, that it needs to be more flexible. That's one of the themes that's been coming through and one of the themes that the government's been trying to address. So the legislation requires... Um, taste to be more responsible to indus- responsive to industry needs and as a in in um, along with that they're basically also providing more local autonomy and responsibility and giving them greater capacity to attract and retain and reward high- performing teachers Um There are also some new initiatives like the Institute of Trade Schools Excellence, which will promote and recognise excellence in the delivery of trade schools training. And employers will will identify those training providers that can best meet their business needs and will reward and endorse those providers. So that's a significant step in terms of the level of involvement that industry will have in saying, hey, this, this... um, training organisation is meeting my needs and, and they will get um, an endorsement from industry there's also going to be a greater emphasis on quality that's probably a message that you've heard coming through um, all of the government um, all of the government p- press releases etc um, and basically in relation to quality a greater focus on the outcomes of training. So let's focus on the qualifications of the people doing the, the training, and more more focus on well, what's happening to the to the people who are um, participating in the training? What kind of competencies do they come out with? As you'd be aware, we've got a, a national skill shortage, and that's also being addressed by um, a CoAG working group that's looking at some of the barriers across the vet system to achieving national consistency. So they're looking at things like, you know, perhaps shortening the duration of apprenticeships or allowing intermediate or specialised qualifications or, um, um, or looking at the licensing issue across different states and territories. So those are a few of the things that the COAG Working Group is considering to try to address that skill shortage. So you, as deliverers of vocational education, of vocational training, play an important role in helping the system achieve its goals. You're working in in an environment where Australia's economic growth and our place in the global economy have seen major changes to our industry structure and a need to constantly adapt to rapid advances in technology and work practice, and where employment patterns are increasingly shifting from traditional full-time employment to casual or contract or part-time jobs. And these require a different approach to training. E-learning is is proving to be an important strategy in providing the flexibility that the system needs, and I'm sure that's not news to any of you people here. Um, But it's basically... Flexibility to allow learners to choose how their learning can best fit in with their lives. Flexibility to achieve their training requirements at their own pace. Offering them opportunities to fast pace or to quickly upskill their qualifications if that's what they want to do. So today we're going to see an amazing array of ingenious ways that technology can be made Used to make learning more flexible. You know, we heard Peter go through a number of the examples: the mobile devices, the social networking software, the online voice technology, the web weblogging, etc. So your projects at this showcase certainly demonstrate the cream of what the flexible learning framework can achieve. And while I'm on the subject of the Flexible Learning Framework, I just want to formally let people know that at the Ministerial Council meeting in Perth on Friday, the ministers agreed to provide the $15 million worth of funding for the framework for 2006. So that's really good news for everyone here. Um, So the Flexible Learning Projects, can show us the direction that learning can take in the future, and it's evident from the recent benchmarking that many teachers and trainers and learners and employers are already starting to appreciate the value that technology can add to learning. Your examples, as Peter said, can be inspirational to other, other teachers and trainers, uh, and it's by... Um, It's by being stimulated by what can be achieved by others that you start thinking how you can, as Peter said, use that in your own in your own teaching or in your own situation. Um, It is true though that many organisations are still kind of struggling with the concept of e learning and that it's something a little bit new and a little bit you know, something to be a little bit wary of the recent benchmarking survey found that only about 6 to 8% of courses, um, of VET units, sorry, um, involve e-learning. And that's a fairly low percentage. However, they found that about 86% of teachers were incorporating some aspect of e-learning in their teaching. So I guess the way that I read that is that people are starting to see the benefit, they're starting to... Experiment with e learning, and it'll just take a little bit of time before e learning is incorporated across the board in a number of units. And also, in relation to the benchmarking study, it's really hard to measure the benefits of events like today and the kind of benefits that you get from the networking, the learning from others, etc., and the idea generation and stuff like that, that happens as a result of the kinds of um, sessions that we'll all participate in today. I'm hoping that at some stage in the future, we won't have an e-learning framework and we won't have e-learning conferences because the e will be just a matter of course. When people think of learning of course they'll think of all of the things that we're learning about today because they'll have been integrated into daily practice. They'll be integrated into courses and when people think of learning, that's what they'll picture. They won't picture someone standing out the front giving lectures or, you know, a teacher with a blackboard and and pieces of chalk. When they think of learning, they'll think of e-learning. And... So I'm really looking forward to participating in the, um, in the sessions today and learning from all of you because I haven't been um, getting RSS news feeds and I haven't been um, listening to podcasts and I haven't been, I've been reading weblogs but I haven't been doing my own and so I'm really looking forward to seeing the examples of excellence that, um, that will be showcased today. Thank you very much for inviting me.